Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry, and welcome to the last year of the Pac-12. Brett, Arizona, I guess, I don't know if it was long rumored, but it was definitely rumored that the Wildcats would be going to the Big 12. It's actually happening. Uh, the 2023-2024 calendar year for sports will be the last one where Arizona's in the Conference of Champions. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, we. I, I feel like we've all had enough time and to speculate and emotionally process what was clearly increasingly inevitable. And at, at, by the time they finally officially announced it, I was just kind of of the mind of, thank God that's over. Like, I had read about it for AZ Desert Storm how Arizona needed to go to the Big 12, or at least Arizona needed to leave the Pac-12. And we talked about it before. Like, I didn't want Arizona to be stuck in a conference that was dying. And it was dying already when USC and UCLA announced their intentions for the Big Ten. And you started to hear more and more about like Oregon and Washington specifically were interested in moving too. It's like, well, at some point you don't have enough like high-level teams, high-level programs. And I get it. Like, I love Arizona. They're not on the level of those programs like overall in terms of what the money they can bring in. It's like they're not bell cow program. You know, like Arizona isn't. So like if those schools all leave, what does the Pac-12 have left? Like nothing. <laughs> it's not. It's basically the Mountain West, only probably a worse version of the Mountain West, even. So, you ought to take the life raft that was thrown by the Big Twelve, wanting Arizona, because Arizona is a good brand. Like I like it. I like the fit. People talk about the travel. There's other than unless you're going to like Cincinnati, West Virginia, or UCF to Orlando, they're not traveling any further than they would be to go play Washington State, Washington, Oregon, Oregon State, and maybe even Stanford if you will, in terms of the flight time. So I don't, like, for the Olympic sports, for the non-revenue sports, there's a challenge for the ones especially that aren't football that go once a week. But I just think overall for the health of the Arizona Athletic Department, this is a move that had to be made. Whether I mean, I'm not happy that Pac-12 is dying, but the Pac-12 is dying whether Arizona liked it or not. So the best <laughs> thing to do is move to a conference that's, you know, thriving, if you will. Yeah, no, I, th- I, I think that's right. You know, I'm sad that the Pac-12 is dead but it's like a 15 year overnight failure right <laughs> if if not even longer like there's a there's a dozens of bad decisions made along the way that got us here uh and it and you know even just the timing of where the economy is a little softer and where nobody is figuring out how to oh, nobody's going to overpay for streaming rights right now which that's really what's driving everything is is the money side right mm-hmm. um 
And so from an Arizona, you know, from a, from a just sports fan perspective, it makes me a little sad from an Arizona perspective. I think it was the obvious right answer for the short and medium term. And honestly, maybe to help set up the long term, because like, it's not going to be the last realignment. Let's be real. I think, you know, look at the, the current big 10 million teams that are in there and like the travel distance that, you know, the 10 million miles everybody's going to have to travel, you know, it's, it's not the end of it. It's probably going to all change in five more years. And for Arizona, it provides stability, some income, you get an amazing basketball conference, uh, you know, a, a reasonable football conference, not a crazy amount of travel, like, you know, Washington, Oregon, and the LA schools, they're, they're really not, you know, I, I actually think, you know, not even that hot of a take. I think that those schools are going to kind of regret that conference decision, at least for the non-football sports, um, probably fairly quickly. Uh, and so I think it, that means it's all going to change in five years. Like in five years, if Rutgers is still in the Big Ten, I'll be surprised. Like, like, they're going to get they're going to get booted. Even right? traveling like Arizona, so yeah, you don't you lose the SoCal schools, right? But even if Arizona had stayed in the Pac-12, you were losing them anyway. They had already yeah. made the decision to go. So it was like even President Robbins has talked about it. Like it feels like in a way that Arizona's hand was forced, but it was forced into doing something that's probably going to be okay, if not better for them. And, you know, it's rivalries that they're losing. Like Colorado's coming with, Utah's coming with, ASU's coming with to the Big 12. You know, so like you're going to lose the UCLA rivalry. You know, if USC is a rivalry, you lost that. I, I think BYU could be a good rival. I think, you know, the schools that are moving across with Arizona are also good rivalries. Kansas in basketball, Houston, TCU in basketball, like Texas Tech. Like there's an opportunity. Like rivalries aren't like they don't just happen, but they they will happen. They'll grow, they'll form. And I think there's gonna be plenty of hate that goes around, you know, when these teams play each other up, especially if Arizona gets to be pretty good, right? If Arizona's a pretty good football program, when they play big games and lose them or they're close games, heated games, that's how rivalries are born. And I'm I'm kind of excited to be here at the beginning of that, to watch it happen, to be a part of, you know, the group that's going to watch Arizona start anew in this conference. And, you know, maybe they're not in it forever. Maybe the Big 12, as we know it, isn't going to be the same. And, you know, it is clearly the third conference behind the SEC and the Big 10. But it's, you know, the difference between two and three may not be bigger than the difference between three and four. And for right. Arizona to be where they are, it's just, I like it. I hate that it came to this, but I like what they ended up with. The streaming deal with Apple, I love the idea of streaming, but there's no way the money was going to get there. The subs- if it was a subscription-based model, and you can't no. plan an athletic department budget on, well, if there's this many subscriptions, then we have this much money. You need rock-solid numbers if you're going to budget. And Arizona gets a rock-solid number by going to the Big 12, and I'd like for it to be more, and maybe in the future it will be, but at least they can move forward with some certainty and that's what this is all about so you know yeah the, the stories over the rumors are over it's finally happening after this next season <laughs> yeah and you know if, for arizona as a school and arizona as a football program that is on the rise it's an interesting spot for them to you know maybe be able to tap into some more recruiting base you know hopefully jed fish and staff can keep the la california schools and i'm sure there's going to be some non-conference games scheduled but maybe it opens up texas and florida a little bit more right i wonder if you're ucla or usc if you'd want to schedule those non-conference with your former pac-12 schools because the one thing you might be able to have is like yeah we're gonna be traveling all the way across the country <laughs> but at least your parents will be able to see you play at home yeah. 
Yeah, they 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 may not in the first year, and then I guarantee you they will by the second year. <laughs> yeah, to be honest. Um, but like I say that for the Arizona program more broadly, there's a good path to success for Jed Fish and the football program to be a program on the rise in a conference where they, you know, right now they're like, you know, tops, you know, or among the top in the Big Twelve for football recruiting rankings yeah. in 2024, <laughs> right? And you know, maybe they maybe that doesn't maintain, but like. If you're a program on the rise, and let's you know, let's just assume that Jed Fish isn't going to jump for a you know a job in two years. If you keep them, if they keep on the trajectory they're on, in five years when there's the next realignment and your football program is viable, and then from a basketball perspective, not only does it make you more prepared for March, in my opinion, you know, playing like Arizona teams have had some suffered from some softness because of the way the Pac-12 has been the last couple of years, and everybody's afraid of, and everybody's afraid of non-conference games that aren't like you know you maybe get one or two as opposed to in the new big 12 you're getting battles every every game right Mm -hmm. and so that they're the record may not be as good but they're going to be more battle tested come march and i think that is only going to benefit the basketball program as well and if you are a football program that has gone from you know the seller to a program on the rise right with a lot more visibility in a in that in a good third conference you know if there's an opportunity and the big 12 kicks out some other schools and you know maybe maybe they take a bunch of big 10 schools and a bunch of pac 12 old pac 12 schools and make a east and west big 10 and they can have the champions play each other at the rose bowl every year uh you're stealing that joke that was going around i know i know but i was up man it was funny though it was also accurate and it's also like the the I'd be surprised if it doesn't move in that direction. It's still going to be somewhat geographically scheduled. Like, yeah, and that's but, that's but that's where this is the best short and midterm thing, but it also sets Arizona up for the long term, I think, nicely uh, in terms of the big two revenue generating sports without being as painful <laughs> in, a, in a travel schedule or in a as painful in a complete and utter lack of visibility and high level competition for other sports. Um, so, you know, the, the Arizona was kind of left with no choice, but also I think it's going to be a really nice fit. And then, you know, we'll enjoy this for however long it lasts. For sure. For sure. So, yeah, Pac-12, that's not a thing anymore <laughs> after this season. And if it even has some version or if it merges with the Mountain West, we'll see. But I guess it's not going to be Arizona's problem anymore. And I think that's the nice thing. Like, it's not nice to see the Pac-12 go away, but for Arizona, certainty and I think they're going to have fun in the Big 12. Like, I like the fit for the school, for a lot of the programs. And I think it's going to work. And if there's any people who are upset, like, I get it. But at the same time, like, one, what did you want them to do? <laughs> they couldn't make the Pac-12 stay together, clearly. And two, like, they found a good home. They're going to have good rivalries. They'll have some really big games. It's going to be exciting when they play Kansas in basketball or when the football program's playing teams like Texas Tech or BYU regularly. Like, those are going to be fun games, fun matchups. And I think, you know, maybe the, the first year's going to be a little weird, probably. But, you know, once they get into that schedule and we see these games happening, and I think to your point, Brett, men's basketball especially is going to benefit from it. They may lose eight games in a regular season, nine games in a regular season, and be a five seed it'd be a much better five seed than the two seed that they were, you know, coming out of the Pac-12 when they lost five games, you know, or four games. Like, it's just going to be battle-tested and more ready for March Madness. And that's, when you're at this level, that's what matters, it seems like, the most. But, yeah, big games on big games on big games. 
I don't see any fan who would be upset with that or who should be upset with that. Yeah, and also personally, I'm very excited that I can keep re- recycling my sad boil uh, jokes with moving with Colorado for basketball. Uh, and and also ASU and Utah fans should be thanking Arizona for being as far <laughs> along as they were. Otherwise, there was a if it really felt like there was a non-zero chance they were going to get left out in the cold and uh, you know tied to Washington State and Oregon State trying to find a ten million dollar deal. Or, I, I'm, or going I'm glad they're coming. Like I wanted Arizona to stay with ASU. Like I I value that. I mean, if ASU didn't want to go and they were going to split, then I was fine with that too. You know, that was ASU's choice if it came to it, but I'm glad they're staying together. I don't mind Colorado coming with at all and Utah coming with. That's cool. <laughs> you know, because those are schools that Arizona's starting to build a rivalry with, especially on basketball. Like Colorado with your sad boil. They've had some, they've had some games and Utah as well. I mean, I know it's different with Kristoviak, but like those are rivalries that were starting to form when they moved to the Pac-12 and now they get to continue on to the Big 12. So yeah, I don't think Arizona's going to be short on rivalries. And that's that's cool. Yeah, and they'll be rivalry based on big games, important games, not just hating each other just to hate each other. Also, I was t- I was talking with a friend about the realignment and talking about how ASU, Utah, and Colorado, in terms of basketball, are like, eh, you know, they're like a mid tier Pac twelve program. They're all going to get rocked in this <laughs> Big Twelve. Like, like they're they're in for a world of hurt. I think like it's gonna be interesting. It, <laughs> like, like Arizona might have a really good team and have a 500 conference record, right? Like, that's that's kind of where we're heading. Or so like, Arizona, like, their style of play. And this is the one thing, like, I'm curious, like, the styles of play are slightly different, you know, in the Pac-12 or, you know, football, basketball, and the different sports and how Arizona recruited a certain way. Now, granted, you're just recruiting the best players you can, right? But will there be an adjustment for Arizona, especially in basketball, with the style of play, the physical nature that you're likely to get with what some of these other programs have? Because there's no Kansas in the Pac-12. You know, there's not even a Houston in the pack. Like, UCLA is good, but, yeah, I'm curious. Like, Baylor, when they're at their best, when they're at their best. Like, there's none of that in the conference either. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be a change, but I think it's one that's going to benefit Arizona, and it's going to be fun to see how Arizona competes with that and how they adjust because it's not going to be everyone else adjusting. Like, they're going to have to adjust to the conference, you know, in a way. So, yeah, I'm excited yeah, to see it. I mean, if Tommy Lloyd keeps bringing the – the skill and talented players that just need to get hardened a little bit conference play in the big 12 is going to do that. And it's going to, I, I'm, I'm optimistic that it's going to result in better things come March and even into April in some years. Definitely. Well, Brett, so Arizona to the big 12, one more year in the pac 12, let's take a bigger break. And we come back, talk to Justin Spears from the Arizona daily star, the wildcaster app. He's the beat writer for Arizona football He's a radio show host. He's just an all-around good guy, and we're excited to talk to him after the break. Welcome back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0, and we are joined by Justin Spears, one of our favorite guests. He has so many different titles, and he's added a new one, Arizona football beat writer. Justin, welcome to the show. What's up, guys? Well, we figure you're probably not too busy these days. Like, there's not much going on with Arizona football. I mean, no. <laughs> have you had time to breathe? Any chances to do that recently? It's honestly been very boring. It's been so boring. I've been just sitting on my hands just trying to figure out what the hell I'm going to do. Not a lot of storylines regarding this Arizona football team. Honestly, I'm just I'm not excited at all about this upcoming year. <laughs> Um, it sounds sounds like you just need to realign your expectations. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, speaking of realignment, I mean, that's been 
really consuming all of us for the last year because, I mean, people have been wondering, you know, what's going to happen with the conference with USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten. And, you know, we wondered, is the Pac-10 going to be able to stay intact? And then we got our answers last week when, you know, multiple schools, including Arizona, went to the Big 12. And we also saw Colorado before then also go to the Big 12. So that's been consuming a little bit of my time along with my other colleagues at the star, but training camp, man, training camp is just chock full of storylines and this Arizona football team, you know, they're looking to build on that five and seven season a year ago that had a couple of marquee wins, including the road win at UCLA and also the territorial cup game. But you know, five and seven, you return most of your offensive starters and then you have a fun, a bunch of fun defensive prospects all coming in whether it's through the high school ranks or through the transfer portal. Now Arizona is hopeful that this is the final product. You know, year three of the Jet Fish era is when the Wildcats really take flight. And uh, there's a lot of lot of interesting things here in training camp so far. But I would say probably the biggest thing, guys, that I've noticed is the size improvement on both the offensive and the defensive line, whether it's guys coming back who are, you know, just spent the last year in the weight room or players that they added to through the transfer portal. You know, Jed Fish said the Wildcats added, I think, 994 pounds as a team collectively, which is equivalent to a saltwater crocodile, uh, which I had <laughs> no idea that was a thing. But apparently they added a saltwater crocodile across the board on their roster, and the guys are big up front. And Jed said also that the Wildcats have – 25 players that weigh over 300 pounds uh and i had to double check that stat currently they have 16 but there are some guys last season who were you know between that 290 to two you know high 290s spot so maybe they added weight and they're over the 300 pound threshold the roster isn't updated online right now so maybe jetfish is right on that number but man 25 guys over 300 pounds um, I started looking over previous rosters. The first one that Jed Fish had in 2021, I believe there were maybe maybe a dozen or something like that. And then if you go back to like the Rich Rod era, you know, when they had a bunch of undersized guys playing on the offensive defensive line, you know, they were, you know, lucky to have maybe 10 guys over 300 pounds on the roster to have 25 over 300 pounds, I mean, it really goes to show the strength and conditioning program that they have there and just the number of talent they've been able to bring in. And now the Wildcats look like not a bunch of OKGs, I'll tell you that. They look like a legitimate Power 5 football team. So, like, yeah, the Rich Rod area was OKGs, but no KGs is what I'm getting at here for that, right? Just the size just wasn't a kilograms. Anyone? No? Come on. Uh, oh! I, metric system, you guys. Wow. Sounds like, it sounds, sounds like more KGs. Yeah, now they'd have that. <laughs> I'm also thinking if they had a saltwater crocodile on the defensive line, that would do really well. But, Justin, like, <laughs> it's one thing to see it on the roster sheet, right, that there's different sides. And we know some of the players they brought in, especially the defensive side of the ball, the transfers they got, some of the freshmen. But it's all, like, on the roster sheet, cool. You'd be able to watch practice a little bit. How different is it? Like, is that size noticeable on the field in a way that you think could translate to Saturdays during the season? Yeah, it's really tough to to see on the offensive line, especially because they're not totally complete just yet because they're still trying to figure out who's going to play both guard spots. Uh, Jordan Morgan 
who's coming back at left tackle. He's been very limited in the team setting, but you know, he's a guy who's going to come in and be arguably the best offensive tackle in the Pac-12, maybe even in college football. I would say where the size has really shown up is on the interior defensive line. Uh, because Arizona, they're you know not a terrible running team. They have great offensive linemen. They have great, you know, a solid running back group that, you know, they can utilize four running backs at any point. Arizona's no slouch when it comes to running the ball, but in team periods when we've seen Arizona's starters go up against each other, I've seen Bill Norton, the big defensive tackle transfer from Georgia, get in the backfield. I've seen Tyler Manoa make plays at the line of scrimmage. And even if they are not the ones making the tackles, wrapping up the ball carriers, they're plugging up the lanes, you know, plugging up the gaps. And you have Jacob Manu and Justin Flo and Daniel Haimuli all running downfield, making these plays. And I saw yesterday, and by yesterday, I mean Tuesday's practice, because we're recording on Wednesday, but during Tuesday's practice, I saw Daniel Haimuli make at least two to three TFLs. Jacob Manu has a nose for the ball, so he's all over the place. And then Justin Flo, the transfer linebacker from Oregon, who's just an absolute madman, uh, he goes by the nickname Heem. I don't know if you guys know about that. His Definitely super, caught that one, yeah. His yeah. super villain alter ego. But Heem has been just all over the place. And the linebackers are really making plays now. Um, I think Arizona stopping the run will be much better this year. And if they can stop the run and not have so many missed tackles, like according to Pro Football Focus, Arizona had 86 missed tackles Ooh. stopping the run. Stopping the run, just stopping the run alone. That's what we're talking about, what, seven to eight per game, just stopping the run. That's unacceptable. You have to have the right players in place to make those plays. And when you're having a bunch of missed tackles, that keeps your defense on the field. You know, we're talking about third and short situations and Arizona's not wrapping up. And then the other team continues to move the chains. And then as the game progresses, you're starting to see a lot of hands on hips. We saw that last year against Mississippi State. We saw that also against Utah. We've seen it against multiple opponents where Arizona's opponents just really grinded them down. And I think now with the added size this year uh, and the experience that they're also returning, I think you're going to see a nice blend on defense for the Wildcats. I don't think they're going to be world beaters, but hey, just be a bend, don't break defense, and give your offense a chance so you can win some ballgames. Well, that, you know, there's – Bluntly, no, nowhere to go but up for the Arizona defense this year compared to last year, right? And you would hope. It's, and, you know, you talk about the defensive line and the defensive front, some of the new linebackers, and I, I feel like there's honest-to-God depth there. Like, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna go out on a limb here, Adam, and try to pronounce this. Cause one of the names you didn't mention, Justin, is uh, the transfer CEO, Nafo Gatatoa. Did I say hey, that approximately really, right? That's a really good attempt. <laughs> I can't even get that last name. I just call him CEO. Nofoagatotoa, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, ha, ha, you know, he's, I, I believe he was from uh, Indiana, you know, yep. straight straight up nose tackle, like, gonna, it, it, am I, talk me out of why I shouldn't be excited about a guy like that to eat up blockers and clear the path for him, you know, Justin Flo to just be a heat-seeking missile. Like, am I, yeah. is my, is my optimism unrealistic on the, on well, the defensive front? Well, and it's crazy, you bring up CO, and CO is probably going to be a guy that rotates in. You know, I don't think CEO is probably going to start. He's going to be a, a, a second stringer or a guy 
who comes in on third and short situations and you just need a big body to plug up the middle. And that's the kind of depth that Arizona has been missing for several years. You know, Johnny Nansen struggled to rotate guys in his first year as a defensive coordinator. And he said that at the start of the year, Arizona, we're going to rotate a bunch of players. And then he didn't really do that. Basically what it was is that he inherited all the older players like Keon Bars, like Tank Wilson, the the Kevin Summon holdovers gave them an opportunity. And then eventually as the season progressed, you started to see the Jet Fish guys get more involved. And then eventually it turned into, holy crap, Arizona's got an all true freshman defensive line out there in a Pac-12 game. That's unprecedented. Um, So there wasn't really a rotation of guys last year, but I think now you're going to start to see it because those freshmen who really made gains in the second half of the season, they're older, they're wiser, they're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster. And then you bring in these bigger guys from other colleges, like a Taylor Upshaw from Michigan, like CO from Indiana, Tyler Manoa, Bill Norton, Oren Patu. A lot of these guys, when you look at the production at their previous stops, Taylor Upshaw was more productive than the rest, but a lot of these guys didn't really do too well. But is that because they're not good or because that's just a part of the the team that they were, that they were playing for? Because, you know, Bill Norton, I give him a little bit of grace. You see his stats at Georgia, and you're like, ugh, how is this guy going to really help out Arizona? But the man played at a – NFL factory at the University of Georgia that produced defensive linemen after defensive linemen. I mean, look at the entire Philadelphia Eagles defensive line. All those guys are coming from are you know from Georgia. So, you know, when you have the the younger guys coming back and then you have these older players who are looking for that next opportunity and guys who add in size, uh, it's going to be a good combination. And now Johnny Nansen, and he talked about it earlier in the week, that's the first thing that he noticed was quote depth now Arizona we have guys that we can rotate in that's what he said And Arizona is going to have a lot of legs rotating in and out Johnny Nansen said and I quote if we have guys playing more than four plays consecutively at a time on the defensive line that's a problem so think about all the legs that are going to be coming in and uh, that's a good problem to have for Arizona you know, it's, you mentioned a lot of the transfers, and obviously Arizona focused on the defensive side of the ball with the transfer portal brought in a lot of guys. And there's always that trick with the portal is that why is that player leaving their original spot? Is it because are they good enough, just didn't get the opportunity? Are they looking for NIL? Whatever. It's like every now and then there's a Dorian Singer or a Jacob Cowing who you know is really good, they're proven, and they go somewhere. I think back to Jed Fish's first transfer portal hall with Arizona, guys like Malik Reed, right? Um, Gunnar Cruz, Jerry Roberts. Uh, Kenny Abrey. I'm wondering if this transfer portal hall looks different. If this portal hall looks more like not just getting whoever they could get to come and play, but guys who are going to make an impact because they're clearly the type that didn't get the opportunity in their previous stop. But do you get that sense from them? Yes, absolutely. And Big CEO was a little bit productive at Indiana. Uh, Justin Flo. I mean, he was a, a product who is one of the most highly rated recruits coming out of the the 2020 recruiting class. And I mean, a lot of people thought he'd be a first round pick. He'd be playing in the NFL right now, but things just didn't work out. Um, And I I think it really goes to show how much Arizona is evolving as a program, because now you're getting guys like Justin Flo, 
out of the transfer portal at the high school level. You're getting Elijah Rushing, a five-star guy here in your own backyard in Tucson, and four-star quarterback Damon Williams. So I think the the narrative has changed for Arizona, and they're seeing how much this coaching staff is changing the program. So I think now these transfer portal guys that are looking around, they look at Arizona as, okay, maybe this is the right destination. And, you know, for these players, they're not, you know, going to Arizona because of better NIL opportunities. They're going to Arizona for just simple opportunity. They just want to get on the field and they want to play. And uh, I think these guys are talented. Now, are they all Americans or all Pac-12 players? No, but I certainly think it's better than what Arizona had last year. If, you know, if I'm just being honest, you know, I don't want to really, you know, trash on anybody, but, you know, I look at, you know, a number of the guys that transfer to UMass, um, you know, linebackers and defensive players. And, you know, those guys really struggled. They had a lot of missed tackles and made a lot of, of errors and, you know, now that I know that Arizona has a lot of newcomers on defense, but they spent a lot of time together in the spring and the summer and the camaraderie is there. You can see it. You know, there are a lot of new faces out there, but there's just something different about this Arizona football team. You can really sense it. Well, you know, we've talked a lot about the defense and talking about some of these transfers. One of the names we haven't even mentioned is a, tra- a pretty big name transfer is Montana Lamonius Craig from Colorado. How's, how's he been looking so far? You, you know, you're there in camp. We see some things where people are reporting on, you know, on, on the Twitter machine. It sounds like he's everything that he was billed to be and maybe a pretty viable addition to an already strong wide receiver room. Wait, what's Twitter? <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just know it as X. <laughs> oh, I, um, I, I love and hate that so much. <laughs> X, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, uh, Montana Lamonius Craig, you know, Arizona needed some some MLC, right? E- everyone needs some some MLC in their life. But uh, Mon- Montana is the the kind of guy that is uh, such a perfect teammate because when he came in, he didn't have any expectations to start. He actually wanted to learn from from Kevin Green, from Jacob Cowing, from all these other receivers who are still a part of the program. A.J. Jones is another one. And A.J. Jones is actually having a very strong training camp so far. Um, he's a name that I think will um, certainly be in, in the rotation at Arizona at some point, whether it's this year or next year. But um, Montana Lamonius Craig came in, studied everything, but he also adapted so fast because at Colorado, he had three different offensive coordinators. So he's seen a lot of different offenses. He understands, you know, different verbiage um, in in certain systems. And, you know, when he got to Arizona, it was very challenging at first to pick up the pro-style system where the quarterback's taking snaps under center. You're utilizing a lot of tight ends. But MLC has picked up the offense so quickly. And he's really complimenting Jacob Cowing and Tetairo McMillan. Jacob Cowling was expected to take over Dorian Singer's spot at the Z receiver, but Jacob Cowling is best as a slot receiver. So now Jacob Cowling goes back to his original position. You have this, this big guy, Montana Lamonius Craig, who's about 6'2", 6'3", and very filled out. You know, he's not a twig by any means. He's a physical receiver. And uh, when you have a guy like that who's experienced and you can drop him into your system and he can adapt to everything so quickly – 
that's a huge, huge asset. But I'm curious to see if Jet Fish is actually able to open up his receiver rotation because last season you didn't see anything beyond Dorian Singer, Jacob Cowling, and T-Mac. I mean, I'm really, why would you? Like, those three are so great together. You could keep those three in the game and just rotate with those guys, sharing the love, and you're going to be just fine. But Kevin Green is a solid slot receiver. Uh, I've seen a lot of great things from A.J. Jones. Uh, Devin Hyatt, who is a walk-on and the brother of Jalen Hyatt, who won the Bolitnikoff last year and is now, I think, playing for the Jets, if I'm not mistaken, or Giants. Um, but they have a lot of good receivers that they can use. Uh, will they be able to open it up and rotate guys in? That's the biggest question. But Montana Lamonius Craig is going to turn some heads this year. Is he going to be at the same level as Dorian Singer? I don't think so, man. Dorian Dorian's a really good pass catcher and such a and such an acrobatic guy. You know, he can make so many different moves in the air. And um, Montana is kind of like that, but. Again, Dorian is a big loss, but plugging in Montana, um, I think, is is a good replacement. And Arizona's offense is going to continue to hum along. They were the sixth best passing offense last year in college football, and they might even be better than that. Now, unfortunately, you got USC and Washington, and they have incredible offenses, and they might be the best offenses in the Pac-12. So even if Arizona isn't, Number one, offensively, uh, they still have a lot of things that they can look forward to. You know, we haven't done our depth chart preview yet. I certainly, when we get there to the wide receiver, we're going to talk about just how deep it is. And I wonder, you know, it's a, it's an interesting problem to have, a nice problem to have when it's how can you keep this guy off the field? How can you make sure this guy gets reps even? Because, yeah, who are you going to sit of those starting receivers, those top three? You mentioned that you don't think they're going to put up the numbers like a Dorian Singer did, but I wonder how much of that just the depth. You have McLaughlin. You have the receivers. If they rotate through, this team may not need one player to be that dude. Is that something that they'll be okay with? Because I know the challenge in college football these days is keeping guys happy in their roles, in their programs. And it's like if A.J. Jones doesn't see the field much this season, if Kevin Green Jr. doesn't see the field much this season, sure, Jacob Cowing's leaving after this year. There'll be spots open. But how does this coaching staff manage the maybe the possible, the even likely impatience that young players who clearly should be on the field get some reps, get some catches, some targets? How do they manage that to make sure these guys are happy in their roles, whatever that role is? Yeah, and I think it just comes down to understanding, you know, this is – a pro style system. And, you know, there are going to be some days where you are the guy and there are going to be some, some days where you are not. And we saw that last year where uh, Dorian Singer would go off and have 160 yards on seven catches or whatever it is. And then the next week you have Jacob Cowing going for 130 or 140 yards. So there's a trade. It it all depends on certain matchups. But again, like in the national football league, your star receiver, he has a quote-unquote off game every now and again. Um, but as long as you can pitch these guys that we're going to get you the right touches, we're going to get you in position to succeed, just bear with us because the moments where you are going to shine, it's really going to leave a significant impact. And at the end of the day, these guys, all they want to do is have enough film and enough stock that can get them drafted by an NFL team. And and I think if Montana Lamonius Craig stays on track, maybe we're talking about him being a fourth or fifth round pick. Uh, and, and honestly, 
I think he would take that considering what he's had to endure at the University of Colorado or Colorado University for the last couple of years. Um, I, I think he would take that every day of the week and twice on Sunday. So it, it's hard to really, really uh, cater to the egos of young athletes nowadays. But unfortunately, this is how it is. And Jet Fish and his staff, they've implemented a very strong competitive culture. And if you can't survive in this, then you're not going to be able to survive in the NFL. And that's kind of what they what they like. They want to be able to weed out the guys who are not committed to the process and getting better at the end of the day. Say it is about getting the NFL. I wonder for these guys, too. It's a good problem to have where so many players could have NFL potential. I know that's something that hasn't been the case for Arizona. Is that pretty obvious on the field, too, that there's, you know, I don't remember the last time they, or they haven't had anyone drafted last year, right? And I don't remember the year before. I think maybe Roy Lopez was like a seventh-round pick. But is it, are those days over where Arizona's going to be shut out from the NFL draft? It's over with, man. Yeah. I mean, Arizona, they're probably going to have, I would say, six guys potentially drafted this upcoming season. Um Five, five or six. I mean, think about it. Jordan Morgan will definitely be drafted. I think he might even be a first-round pick. And the last time Arizona had a first-round offensive lineman, you got to go back to John Fina. Um, so Jordan Morgan will get drafted. I think Michael Wiley will get drafted. Jacob Cowing will certainly get drafted. Um, and then, you know, you look at you know potentially some other guys. You know, does does a Jaden Delora? get drafted super late. I mean, I know he's a fringe guy and certainly off the field stuff has not helped his cause. Um, but he's a really good quarterback. Maybe there's a, a team in the seventh round that maybe wants to take a chance on Jaden uh, Tanner McLaughlin, a great tight end. I think he's going to get drafted. Um, so the, the days are over the days of Arizona going blank in the NFL draft are over. And maybe this year, you know, we're talking about Arizona having an, a first round pick, which hasn't been the case since Antoine Casey. I, I, I'm sorry. I blacked out there for a second when you said we might have as many as six guys drafted, because that's just an unreasonable thing for most Arizona fans in the last 10 years. But, you know, if there's that many, that much NFL talent on this roster, not even just for draft eligible this year, but what's coming, uh, you know, in the younger underclassmen and what's coming, you know, with, uh, you know, the, the recruiting success they've had, yeah. You know, what's what's a what's a reasonable expectation for this football team this season? It's not, you know, it's not a favorable schedule. It's not, you know, a crazy schedule. But, like, what what is realistic for Arizona fans when they look ahead? Well, I think realistic, uh, it, just in this season, I mean, if Arizona somehow pulls off a road win at Mississippi State, I mean, UTEP, they'll take care of business at home. And, NAU, they're going to take care of business at home. We think. We think. Yeah, the revenge game. game. <laughs> I think the revenge game, they're not going to have any issues getting up for this How one. How could that be a revenge? How did that happen? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's still, to me, that 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 game felt like we were in the twilight zone. Like, like how well, the... You can't lose that. <laughs> it happened. I remember, but wow. <sighs> They'll be... They could, have not, yeah. they, could, they could have not thrown a pass and should have won that game. <laughs> yeah. Straight up. And, and what makes matters worse for Arizona fans, in my opinion, is that I think NAU is down to their third string quarterback. And it was like a true freshman. And I'm like, how, how did this happen? But, but that, that's a win. They'll beat NAU. Yes. They'll be, they'll be at NAU. And honestly, they might start off the season four. No, because 
they got to go on the road to play Stanford, and Stanford's the worst team in the Pac-12, in my opinion. So conceivably, Arizona might you know start off the season four and zero and feel pretty good about themselves. Now, of course, they hit a wall in conference play when they play the USC's and the Washingtons and the UCLA's of the world. But I, I think if Arizona, if their defense can just stop the run and get off the field and help out their offense, which put up 31 points per game last season. Um, I think realistically, Arizona will flip their record from a year ago and go seven and five, maybe even eight and four. And even when they lose a bunch of talent after this season, because they're going to lose quite a bit. Uh, the next year's Arizona team is going to look a lot different than this year's team. Uh, but even if they lose a bunch of talent, they still have big Jonah coming back on the O-line. They still have um, T-Mac coming back for his NFL draft year. Uh, you're going to have Elijah rushing coming in. You know, there are a lot of pieces still in place for Arizona, even beyond this year to be very successful. And uh, Jetfish and his staff have done a great job of rebuilding the program and now they've added depth. And as long as they can keep that depth, Arizona is going to be relevant. Yeah, you Another way they're going to look different too, Justin Spears here, is they'll have a different patch on their helmet, right? It's going to be a Big 12 patch next season instead of a Pac-12 patch. I'm wondering, we kind of mentioned it at the beginning of the, show, beginning of the interview anyway, but I'm curious, like this had to have not been a surprise for anybody, right? When UCLA and USC announced that they were going to leave, the Pac-12 as we knew it was done, it was just wasn't going to survive, it was going to be tough. How do you think Arizona is going to transition to the conference? I like the move to the Big 12. I think it's a good fit for Arizona football in terms of like there's not dominant programs, but there's some pretty good to good programs. But how do you see Arizona with what Jed Fish has done, what Jed Fish is building, transitioning to that different conference? Yeah, and you can really pitch to Southern California recruits. And I know USC and UCLA are going to be doing the same thing along with other West Coast schools. But, you know, now – kids on the West coast, you know, you can watch Arizona play at four o'clock in the afternoon. I think being able to play on different time zones, getting that national exposure and recognition is only going to benefit Arizona. And then just matching up against uh, the other teams in the big 12. Yeah. Baylor's always good. And TCU shout out to uh, Sonny Dykes, former Arizona offensive coordinator, um, you know, he, he's got TCU in a, in a right spot right now. And TCU just went to the college football playoff, um, Oklahoma state year in and year out. They're always a top 15 program, but Arizona fans aren't clamoring for big 12 championships every single year. They're not, Arizona fans. You know, you guys are very realistic, right? You don't, you guys don't under you guys don't want Arizona, or you think Arizona is not going to win, you know, conference championships year in and year out. You're just hopeful. Hey, let's get to a bowl game, beat ASU. And then every now and again, we have that year to remember. Like, for instance, you know, Rich Rod, I thought had like the perfect formula. Just get to a bowl game, beat ASU. And then that 2014 season, you get to the Fiesta Bowl and have that memorable season. Arizona fans are always going to want you to stick around as long as you can be consistent on that front. Uh, and I think that Arizona, while they are going to a more loaded conference uh, football-wise, I think that it's going to be well for them, and they're going to do just fine. And as we all know, men's basketball is going to be great. You know, they're not going to have the Thursday-Saturday pairings anymore, but nothing gets me more giddy than the idea of Arizona taking off Kansas, whether it's at Fog Allen Fieldhouse or McHale Center at 6 p.m. on a Monday night. You know, so I, I think – it sucks that the Pac-12 fell apart 
and is disintegrating in front of our very own eyes. But Arizona got at the table with the big boys and they got in at, a, at the right time. And Arizona fans that are questioning this move, they're going to look back at this a few years from now and recognize that Dave Hickey, Robert Robbins, they made the right move. Plus, Justin, don't lie. You're just excited about no more 8 p.m. starts for football. <laughs> I, I am very excited about the possibility of no more 8 p.m. Uh, kickoffs. Also, 9 p.m. tip-offs at McHale Center. Uh, we've seen that in a few conference games. I don't think that's going to happen anymore. Um, it might, though. There's only so many broadcasting windows, you know? Yeah, that's true. I, I would See, that, that's one I wouldn't jinx for you guys, for all of us, really, because we're getting, I mean, we're all getting older and Justin has to work the games, but... You know, there's only so many. It's like saying there's not going to be many, you know, Pac-12 refs anymore. Well, the Big 12 is going to need more officials now. Where are they going to get them from? So That's true. I, certain things I would not celebrate just yet. But I agree with you. I think it's a good move for the Big 12 for the programs. Absolutely. And you think about the, the rivalries, too. You know, Arizona, Kansas, and basketball. Uh, football, I think Texas Tech will emerge as a rival for Arizona because uh, Lubbock is only, I think, eight and a half hours away from Tucson, Arizona. Um, so you have... The, the battle of the I-10, if you want to call it that or whatever. But, you know, Arizona is going to have some notable Big 12 rivalries. And I think also, too, you know, having that schedule with BYU every single year, BYU, they have a very strong fan base. Uh, they always bring a large contingent of fans every single game they go to. And I remember that game a few years ago uh, when they kicked off in Glendale in Phoenix, and it felt like there was a good split between BYU and Arizona fans, I have no doubt in my mind that BYU is going to pack the house every time they come down to Arizona and play either ASU or Arizona. So it's a good deal. It's going to be fun. Well, that's Justin Spears. You can find him on X at Justin Esports, of course. Ask, say what you, you know, if you want to plug anything you have coming, but you're covering camp, so you're going to have stuff like every day pretty much for at least, I guess, now and through the end of the season, I'm sure. So I don't know if there's yeah. anything specific, but is there anything that you have coming out You know that you don't want people to check out or you think they're going to need to see? Uh, if you're a... Uh, T Loke, if you're in Tucson, make sure to tune into uh, 1490 AM weekday mornings from 7 to 9 AM. Listen to Spears and Ali. And then for all my coverage on Arizona football, go to Tucson.com and the Wildcaster app. Perfect. Well, that's Justin Spears, who have many different hats, but the one that is probably most important to him is one of our valued guests. So thank you for joining oh, Wildcat yeah, Radio baby. 2.0. <laughs> I love you guys. Thank you. All right. That's Justin Spears. And we come back, we'll give you more thoughts on football. We're back, and thanks again to Justin Spears for that great insight because, I mean, Brett, we like to have him on talking about all Arizona sports, but now he's an Arizona football beat reporter, so his vantage point is a little bit different. What he's looking at when he's at camp is probably a little different, and I think what stuck out to me the most that gets me the most excited is that the defense, you know, the size and the skill that they have on display that, yes, they're going to miss Arizona's offense, and it's impossible to tell that much from training camp until you play against someone else and someone else who might be even better than you. But it certainly seems like Arizona has improved the talent level and the size on that side of the ball, which they desperately need to do. Well, it's, it seems like it's both quantity and quality. I mean, be still my heart. Justin used the word depth like four times, I think, talking about the, the size on the lines. And I think Johnny Nansen uh, at some point was quoted this week, uh, about if they have, def or maybe even Justin said, if they yeah. if they've got if they've got guys playing more than you know four plays in a row, 
then we're we're done, did something wrong, which you know part of that is probably saying, hey, they want a lot of three and outs, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, which sure, uh, but if you have the ability to go deep, you know, Bill Norton is, you know, he can go in there for one or two downs and then it's tired, but then you can throw in. And then Manoa you know, goes in or yeah, any of these yeah. guys. See you. Like, it's it's not just it's, depth for depth's sake either. It sounds like it's quality depth. Yeah, and that's. You know, the, the, the old man fan in me uh, gradually has come to realize that you build your team from the inside out <laughs> and the lines. And, like, you know, it's, I'm, I'm really curious as we, you know, we're getting close to it with, you know, starting to do our our depth chart preview and kind of the season outlook. And, like, I start that next this, week. Yeah, yeah. I think, I th- I think um, you know, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but, like, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they look against Mississippi state, because if you recall last year when we went to the game, it's like, Oh, there's that big size difference again. Yeah. And I'm not so sure that's going to be the case this year, but Mississippi state didn't get any smaller. Uh, maybe they're still bigger, but it might, it might not be as big of a difference. Yeah. And that's, that's what it comes down to because it's easy for people to say right now, like talking about the depth, right? Is it good depth? Like it's one thing to say, okay, we want to go guys, no more than four plays in a row. But when the season gets going, when you're playing in games that count and things that matter, do you have the guys to do that? You know, it's goals right now, and everything is great right now. But will they be able to do that? That size that they have, is it talented size? Or is it just big for the sake of big? And that's what Arizona's trying to get to, is that big players who are also good. You know, depth guys who can also deserve 15 to 20 snaps a game, maybe, that you can rotate in, not because you have to, but because you want to. Because the drop-off isn't really there, or there's a different skill set. You know, when you bring certain guys in, maybe on a third down and a passing down, compared to first and second down when it's more run-oriented downs, things like that. To have that ability is something that Arizona certainly hasn't had defensively. Because like, you always want, it's kind of like, you don't want your defensive lineman to be out there for so many plays. But if you have no one to sub in, you know, it's going to happen. If you can't get off the field, it's going to happen. So... A lot of it is if they can do this, if they can get off the field, get stops on third down. Like Justin brought up a stat about how many missed tackles Arizona had last season. If they can get better at those things and there's fewer downs and you guys stay fresh and the fresher your defensive players are, the better they are in the fourth quarter. You know, it kind of, and also Arizona's offense, if they can sustain more longer drives, they had a lot of big plays last season. Are they going to have more longer drives that keep the defense off the field? Like it, it all ties together, but it's certainly. Like, we don't know how it's going to be, especially, you know, NAU probably won't be the judge. Mississippi State will be a much better judge of everything. But it certainly seems like right now there's reason to be optimistic. There's reason to believe that they have good size, good depth on defense, which are things they haven't had and that they desperately need, which we've talked before. They don't have to be great defensively. They just have to be okay. You'll get a handful of stops a game. If the offense is as good as we think it should be, you don't have to hold teams to 14 points a game. If you hold them to 25, you're going to win seven games. Like, that's what it looks like. And do they have the people to do it? We don't know. But they seem closer to that than they were a year ago. Well, and it's, you know, if you really boil it down to be a successful college football program, you need to establish the run and you need to be able to stop the run. Whoa. And you do that with Whoa. The side, with the side, you know, it's it's very simple. We waited this and, long in the show to drop that kind of insight and knowledge. I mean, we want to keep people waiting and, you know, I mean, keep yeah. them on the Let hook. Me, but, wow, we could have said coach, that earlier. Coach, Coach Fish, I'm, I'm available for <laughs> consulting and contractees. Um, but, like, if you look at the defense with that depth, with the size, the defensive line, the talent that was added in the next level at the linebacker spot, spot where even some of the guys that are either true freshmen and maybe don't understand the complexities of gap assignments or whatnot, 
um, or adjust and flow when he goes heme mode, which I think his rap has been maybe not staying in his in a, a discipline thing. He just pins his, ear, his ears back and, you know, see ball, tackle that guy. Yeah, see ball, um, get ball. You know, it. There, you, can sh- you can see a path to success uh, or at least like, you know, stops on drives where, you know, keep them to three yards or less on the first down run and then keep them to three yards or less on the second down run. And then you get to a passing down, right? And then yeah. you put in your, you know, your, your Deuce Davis, your, you know, your, your pass rush guys. And the secondary knows that the, that the, that the pass is coming and they're a little more prepared for it. And you can try to help certain guys and, you know, it doesn't take that many series of, you know, three plays in a row like that with this Arizona offense, they're going to win a lot of games if they force a lot of three and outs. Yeah, and no one's talking about the offense probably because there's an expectation and, like, they proved a lot last season. They can get better. You talk, one of our favorite guys, Rob Bauer, mentions, like, Arizona had all the big plays, but they were not great, you know, putting drives together, and also their red zone issues were well-established. So there's room to improve there, but I think the thought is that, like, they'll improve because they have the people, right? Jay and in year two in this offense should be better. T-Mac, all the stuff out of campus, how he's bigger, he's faster, just ready to just beat T-Mac. You know, you have Jacob Cowling again. The offensive line brings back most people and you've got the new guys who are coming. It's like, wow, this could be a beastly offensive line. And I'll see the running back. We'll get, when we get to our depth chart, like there's a lot of happiness on that side of the ball. But if the offense takes a small step forward and there's reason to believe it will, and the defense takes a small step forward and now there's kind of reason to believe it will, what is this team's ceiling? Because yeah, they don't have to stop a team eight times in a game. They just have to stop on four. You know, with the offense, just like, that's what it is. How many like, a turnover here and there, a couple of three and outs, a few punts. Like if they can do that, if the offense does what it's supposed to do and what it's capable of doing, they're going to be just fine. You know, against most teams, will that be against the best teams? No, they'll have to get a few more stops in that, or the offense will have to score forty. Like you're not going to hold everyone down. Like Arizona, even last season, the end of the season, they were pretty good against UCLA defensively. You know, they got the turnovers against ASU, but if they didn't get turnovers, they weren't really stopping them in the second half. But, like, they showed fight, and a lot of that is, I think, the optimism for this season because those guys who played last year as true freshmen, your Kangaikas, your Deuce Davises, you know, your Jacob Manus, who are, there's every reason to believe they'll be better. And you put that with the players they brought in for the transfer portal, which that's the other thing that I like that Justin said is that this, like, the new transfer portal, it's like they can get players who would be wanted elsewhere. Like, they're not just getting who they can get. They're, get, they're looking at guys and say, this player can help us. We know that. Let's go get him. And that they're getting guys who want to play here because they think they can make a difference, not because they just, they have nowhere else to go. Like, yeah, I'm I'm excited. You know, it's because they have players like a Justin Flo or Heem, where if he reaches even 75% of his potential, they have themselves a star. Jacob Manu looks like a star already. Uh, Heemelier, I forget how Justin pronounced the the transfer linebacker from Washington. Another highly rated guy where if he comes close to reaching his potential, even if it's just a couple downs every series, you know, passing downs or whatever, like they're going to have players who can make plays, which defensively they didn't have. I think well, they had two interceptions last season, three interceptions. I think oh, it was three because they had two against ASU. You know, and I think Christian Wallace had like one. That's not great. <laughs> and it shows you're not getting pressure on the quarterback and you're not around the receivers. And if you can stop a team on first down and they hold them to two yards rushing with that new defensive you know, front seven with the linebackers and the defensive linemen who eat up blockers, and you force teams into third and eights, third and nines, all of a sudden, you have passing downs, and you can bring in your pass rushers, get pressure on the quarterback. You get more turnovers that way, too. So like, they seem to have the pieces you need to be a respectable defense that can make some plays. And like all reports out of camp are that they're looking like a defense that's taken a step forward. 
Yeah, and don't anybody misinterpret us. We're not expecting, you know, a top 30 defense. No, but maybe if, in the if, conference, but yeah. If, if what there's, there's what, 65 power five teams and like 130 uh, D1 college football teams, if they're in the 60s, i.e. among the worst power five defenses, this team is going to go to a bowl game. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. they were like literally like near the very, very bottom. I believe sitting right on top of Colorado. Um, and so it's, you know, it's, it's, it's that time of year when you start to get cautiously optimistic, but man, you, you're, you're seeing the fruits of the last couple of years of roster changeovers, uh, the transfer portal coming into effect. I listened to other people talking about previews. And I don't think people realize that like Arizona could have an entirely new starting, you know, other than Jacob money fronts seven. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like, yeah, they lost some guys, but also what what was the net impact there? And I don't think the casual uh, observer around the conference uh, for, you know, the last pack dance, um, you know, I don't know if they're, I don't know if they know what to expect from Arizona's defense. I think they're going to, they're going to go in with a low expectation that they might sneak up on some teams and then hopefully they, you know, surprise people early and often. And then, you know, then there's the challenge of the schedule gets harder and, and people won't be sleeping on them, but that's a better problem to have than, you know, bottom five defense in college football. Well, it's kind of like the offense last season took a huge step forward, right? They made all those changes get to lower. They bring in the receivers. It's They were all of a sudden, like, the first game against San Diego State, like, whoa, wait a minute, they're moving the ball down the field. I think the first drive, they get, like, a sack and a turnover or something. They got a sack. Then they go down the field, get a touch, like, wait, or a field goal. It's like, okay, they move the ball. Then they get a stop. Then they get a touch, like, wait a minute. This looks like a functioning offense, like with a quarterback. And I don't expect that kind of defense because there's no quarterback on defense who could just make that happen, right? There's not that one right. player who could just change your fortune so dramatically. But if they can take that step forward with the new additions, with guys who are athletes, who have the size and have the speed to play defense, a lot of defense is being in the right place and then reacting and making the play. You know, beat the man in front of you, make the tackle when he's there, stay with that receiver. If they have guys who can do that, there's no reason to think they can't be better. And the fruits of labor, like you're talking about, with the portal and with recruiting, they have guys who look like they should be able to do that. So if they can, then we might see, we won't, again, we won't notice against NAU because, I mean, they better win that game easily and the defense should look dominant against NAU. But the next week against Mississippi State, yeah. Because that's not a game you're supposed to win. I think they'll be underdogs in that game. I don't know, it'll be six and a half points, seven points, maybe ten. I don't know. <laughs> But if they look like they can compete on that field, that they're not outclassed size-wise or athlete-wise, then that's going to be a really good sign because it's going to kind of validate what people like Justin are seeing at camp, right? Well, all the reports we're seeing, it's like, okay, it's only to see it against each other, against Arizona, but if you do that in a live game against a team who's trying to beat you, who's trying to scheme, you know, out-scheme you and do everything against you, if you can still hold up, okay, you probably you have something. Yeah, and you, you know, you talk about that with the improvement in the offense. Can, can I just remind everyone that it was not that many football games ago that Arizona, their best offensive option at quarterback was their third best option at wide receiver. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was I, w I was at that Cal game, man. It was uh, a, a fight to the bitter end just to score a point. <laughs> hey, 10 to um, three, right? Was it? Or 10, so. seven, like, and, 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 and talking yeah. And talk about depth, like everybody talks about all the guys that were missing for Cal for the COVID rules. Everybody talks about Arizona had 
their number one, two, and three centers on the depth chart playing <laughs> left tackle, left guard, and center, <laughs> respectively. And they went down to like their fourth or fifth quarterback for a series. He threw an interception on like a screen pass because Arizona led yeah, the country in screen pass turnovers that season. Because <laughs> like, it should be the safest play, passing play in the entire playbook. They had like three interceptions off the most. <laughs> I was talking to my buddy earlier today. I'm like, I think Arizona might be good. And I'm like, don't get me wrong. Like, good means like seven and five. Like Arizona good, right? <laughs> yeah. that, that everything is in context. Like, we say improvements, like you're saying, like, they don't have to be top 30 defense, but like top 60. You know, in the 60s, all of a sudden, like, that's good. Like, yes, that'd be great. Even in the context of what their offense should be. So, yeah, we'll definitely get into more football in the coming weeks and our depth chart preview and our season preview, you know, because we're just, what, like a, few weeks away right september 2nd is the opener against nau so yeah. wow like the jetfish offseason he's undefeated in the offseason but it's coming to an end and it's gonna be time to start playing football games but not yet we have time to preview the season still <sighs> brett what else we got like men's basketball is overseas they're in israel for this trip that's cool i think i hope we get to watch some of that again it's like scrimmages it doesn't mean anything but like this is our first chance to see a lot of these new guys in arizona uniforms like i'm looking forward to that you know whatever yeah, i can see I- I, I just I also like the the notion of the international trip, especially with a lot of turnover on the on the roster, uh, to try to build some of the bonding, especially with some like big name guys that came in, like former five stars and you know like guys a training that, camp type of thing. Like it's just yeah yeah, it's a it's a bond. I mean, if you don't bond on a flight, uh, you know, fifteen hour of flight and then going around and seeing historical sites, uh, you're you're probably just not going to right. Plus, you know, oh yeah, there's basketball there. Yeah, um, and you know I'm curious to see how some of the guys look i was reading some of the, the reports that some of the euro guys are maybe looking pretty pretty good um you know there's i'm 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 trying to figure out like i'm not even sure if henry basar is going to see the court or if he's going to be a really good player this well, year and that's people forget like for every henry basar and i like his potential there is a larry mark in it or there is an azulis tubelis right guys who can come in as freshmen and make an impact is it harder is it rarer yeah but that's rare for any freshman to come in and make a great impact and be like a starter all conference type of player but there's no reason to think that of the guys they got krivas right Amaroskas, like these guys are pretty good players. <laughs> like, there's no reason they can't play a role. Are they going to be Arizona's best players? Probably not, because you look at the rest of the roster. But if they can come in and play 10 minutes off the bench, 15 minutes off the bench, maybe if there's foul trouble a little more, that's huge. And I don't think you learned that this trip. <laughs> like You, you no. don't. But just to see like if those reports and to see how guys look, right? How big are they? How is this team moving together? How is Caleb Love fitting in? Just because they're going to run their stuff. So is it, does it look like they're comfortable with everything that they're doing yes if the defense isn't that great and the athletes they're going against they're going to look fine but it's just nice to see you guys playing together but i think you're right brett like doing a trip like this for as many new guys as they have it probably won't hurt with them bonding and just getting that cohesion that a basketball team needs like especially with so many new faces like and also such an international flavor on this team too like it's got to be kind of a nice experience for a lot of these guys who probably some probably some haven't even traveled out of the country let alone, like, you know, going where they're at. Like, it's, it's got to be a really cool experience, and I imagine they're going to take advantage of it. they got the right coach for something like this. So, yeah. But I think some games will be on streaming is what it looks like, so I'm hoping to catch some of that. Yeah, I'm sure Tommy Lloyd's like, whatever, I bought everybody's flights with all the points I've accrued from the last <laughs> 20 years of international travels. You know, He's got to be, like, lifetime executive super plutonium platinum on whatever airlines he flies. But, not, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see, especially, you know, the, the unknowns and then there there's there's the 
unknown unknowns like what is KJ Lewis going to look like? What is Krivas going to look like? And then there's like the known unknowns of like Caleb Love's getting on the court a lot. How's he going to fit into the offense? Yeah. Right. And that's going to be really interesting to see. Let's say we won't learn that this trip. We'll learn the red blue game, obviously, but <laughs> I'm kidding. You learned that like uh-huh. when conference play starts or one of the early tournaments because like, the early season, like basketball is one of those few sports where like, if you have more talent, generally you're going to overwhelm whoever you're playing. And Arizona's going to have a lot more talent than most teams that they play, especially you know early on when they have those gimme games that they, that they pay the other schools. Uh, yeah, Brett, no, every, everybody remembers uh, U of A legend Siddiqui Johnson after his long, illustrious career after a red-blue game where he scored 10 points. Yeah, the career high. Like, <laughs> it might have been his career total. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Is, we got anything else? Are we missing anything here that's going on? I mean, obviously, we're getting close to football, and that's the big thing, and that's why it's hard not to talk about that for the majority of the show. But do we have anything else, yeah. Brett? Do we miss anything? Anything you got? I don't think anything, don't think anything new, but Adam... We did have a review this week. Right. Like we, t- we ask you guys to subscribe to us on iTunes, on Spotify, and we say if you leave us a rating and a review, we will read that review on the air. You say there's a review. What do we got? Uh, I like where it starts because the title of it uh, from KJ Feel, Feel, F-E-I-L, on the, on the Apple uh, review. Uh, it says, keep up the good work. Five stars. Great news source for University of Arizona Athletics, exclamation point. God, you love Good to see it. Good job of us. Yeah, no, I, we've peaked. Like, we should probably, like, this is our final show, y'all. Like, there's nowhere to go but down from here. Like, yeah. I, or maybe you like this because we took some time off in the last month. He's like, yeah, great show when you guys weren't doing anything. Maybe this is all very sarcastic. <laughs> great source for news when we did, like, two shows in the last two months. <laughs> But uh, we, we do appreciate it. We appreciate all you guys, everybody who listens, whether you leave a review or not, we do appreciate it. Um, and, yeah, it's going to ramp up, of course, as football season gets going and then basketball season start, and there's a lot more to talk about as we're kind of ending the summer lull of all the trips and everything. So looking forward to what should be some really fun seasons. And, yeah, we'll keep trying to bring you the good content, you know, the good news, some good guests, and just have some fun talking Arizona sports. It's a lot more fun when they're good. So, But also when they're bad, we have some fun with that, too. <laughs> We probably did some of our best work in the 2020 season. <laughs> and the fewest number of listeners. Nobody likes to listen to bad teams' commentary. <sighs> Remember when I'm like, there's no way Arizona's going to lose to NAU? And then they went out and lost. I think I wrote about that, too, and then they went out and lost to NAU. <laughs> like, good stuff, Adam. I still remember at the beginning of the fourth quarter being there. We were just like, my, my group was like, do we want to leave? Because we see where this is going. <laughs> it's one of those like, there's no way this happens. Fine, they're going to do something. They're going to win this game. It's going to be ugly. They're going to win. But wait, oh wait, why are they winning yet? Why aren't they winning yet? Oh, God, they're losing. Oh, no, they lost. No more of that, though. No more. Those days are over. We're coming for you, Lumberjacks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's the worst, like, dumbest revenge game ever. Anyway, you can find us on X at Wildcat Radio AZ. That's so weird to say. An X. X Twitter. I guess. So at Wildcat Radio AZ is the handle. We'll do some mailbags here and there, but if you have any questions or anything you want us to, you know, give want to give us thoughts on, then just send it to us there. And we'll make sure we get to it. Assuming Brett sees it, he handles the social media for us, so he'd have to see it to make sure. But and at 
Adam, I have made progress towards getting us signed up for a Threads, but we do not have a Threads yet. So what does that even mean? How do you make progress? That, that means I got con- I got control with the ability to log into the the email in the background, Adam. It's a whole multi-step process. Evidently. Well, hopefully you can find the time to do that. Anyway, we appreciate you guys listening, everyone, of course. And like I said, you find us on iTunes, on Spotify. Subscribe to us on both those if you can. You only have to listen to one of them. It sounds the same, I think, on each of them. But if you do do that, leave us a rating review. We would review on the air thanks to our review from today. Um, Yeah. <sighs> Starting next week, we're going to do our depth charts for football. Give you our thoughts on that. We'll probably get some good guests, too. Maybe last year we had a good numbers guest on Justin McAleese. We're going to get him on again in the coming weeks before the season starts, get his thoughts on what his system is saying for Arizona. I remember his was like Arizona had more of a chance to win like 10 games than one game. It's like, but their range was all over the place. So it'll be kind of cool to look back at mm-hmm. that and then look ahead to what he's got, what he's predicting for Arizona this season. But yeah, we appreciate you listening and we'll catch you all next week. And until then, remember to bear down. Bear down.